<laughs> I don't even know what to do after that. <laughs> that was so, so much fun. Thank you, Noah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the joy that we experience celebrating you. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just the, the beauty that is available to us for people who are in you, Lord. There's joy, there's uh, just great fun, great peace, great beauty, Lord God. We're so thankful, Lord. So humbled that we get to celebrate you and to put on uh, amazing videos like that to just kind of express who we are and what we, uh, just all of our gratitude for you, Lord God. So Lord, as I try to follow that and preach, <laughs> I pray for grace. I don't even know how to preach after that. So Lord, give me, the, give me what I need for doing what I got to do, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I think that was by far the best video so far. I mean, they've all been good, but that was really, really fun. Really, really fun. Um, hey, this is our last Sunday for church this year. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. How, how has the time flown? It's been amazing. So next Sunday, um, the message will be online. We've recorded it this week already. So the preaching's done, the worship's done, everything's done. It's been a very, very busy week, but we got it all in and uh, so grateful. So it feels like somebody reminded me, this kind of feels like, like when you're in college and you're just about to hit your Christmas break and you've got like a couple assignments left, right? <laughs> and then it's going to be break time. Well, for me, uh, that break is going to be all of January. I'm taking all of January off. And uh, so uh, you're going to be in great hands though with our team. And uh, so some, somebody came up to me, a couple came up to me right after first service and they said, okay, what kind of medical procedure are you having? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> They said, okay, what kind of surgery are you having? I'm like, nothing like that is happening. I'm simply going to be on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to be backpacking a little bit, camping a little bit, hanging out with my wife a lot of bit, and uh, it's just going to be really good. So there's nothing medically happening with me, physically or psychologically. There's nothing going on. Um, I'm just going to go take a month off, so pray for me as I do, and I'll see you in February. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Hey, the wonder of the greatest gift, part three, the wonder of the wise men. So as we study the wise men a little bit in Matthew chapter two, uh, kind of backing up a little, every, every year when we do the live nativity, you see the, the shepherds and the angels, and then you see the the three wise men come out and they're around the manger. Well, that's not exactly how things unfolded, right? As we read this story in Matthew chapter two, we'll see that the wise men actually showed up months, maybe even up to two years after Christ was born. As we read the text, we'll see that the wise men didn't show up to a manger. They showed up to a house. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, they're in a house and the wise men show up then. I think we do the wise men and the shepherds and the angels just to kind of get all of the players on the, on the stage at the same time to help us kind of understand kind of the, the picture, but it's not altogether accurate. So anyway, so we'll take a look at um, that in this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter two, verses one through 12. Everybody ready for this message? Yes. Seem a little quiet today. Okay, good, 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 good. 
There we go. The visit of the wise men, Matthew chapter 2 says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So as I read that, I thought, why would these wise men be paying attention to what's happening in the sky? And why would they be compelled to follow a star? And why would they allow this star to take them so far away from their homeland? <clears throat> so I did some research. And I think this might be accurate here. <laughs> Dr. Roger Barrier wrote, the reason that the wise men thought that the star would lead them to a king is because of the ancient belief that signs in the heavens portended great or terrible things to come, depending on who is interpreting the sign. Dr. Barrier continues, some unusual movement or stellar event of great magnitude was often thought to herald the birth of a king or someone of great personages, personage. An event occurred in the sky, and they went looking. The fact that the star appeared and moved indicates more of a miraculous appearance than a natural one. So maybe that's what happened. Either way, God used natural things and supernatural things to draw the wise men to this place so that they could do their job and so that we can learn about it and teach about it for all of time until, well, until Jesus comes back. So the wonder of the wise men, number one, led them to go looking for the king. I hope that this season, the wonder around this holiday season and the wonder around the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ would begin to swell within us. Like we would have a childlike wonder, thinking and pondering the things of God, wondering how all of these things came to pass and believing on a deeper level all that God has in store for us as his people in the earth. The wonder of the wise men led them to go looking for the king, much like the shepherds, the wise men needed to, needed to investigate this heavenly information. They weren't content to hear about it from others or imagine what these things might mean. They did the work to investigate things on their own. It's such a powerful thing to have questions and then to do some research or do the hard work to discover the reasons or the answers to our questions and then grow in our understanding as we do that. These wise men were wise because they, they investigated. They were led to go discover what God was doing in the sky. We can glean and learn from these wise men and become wise ourselves by digging, by digging deeper into things that we don't understand. Discovering answers to questions, well, that's part of the process of becoming wise as we dig in and avail ourselves to information that we don't have just naturally. But when we read and investigate truth, we begin to grow in our ability to be wise. So when I was reading this passage, preparing for this message, I wondered why wise men from the East would take the time to follow a star. Did you ever stop and wonder why the wise men of the East 
would take the time to follow a star. Now I know, thank you to Dr. Barrier. Now, now it may be conjecture what Dr. Barrier wrote, but in any case, God used natural and supernatural things to get the wise men to accomplish the things that he intended for them to accomplish. So what questions do you have that need to be answered about your faith, about life in general? What questions have been plaguing you in your life? When we take the time to discover truth, especially concerning our faith, we grow in confidence and in boldness concerning our faith. Some of us walk around with questions that we've had about our faith for years and years, and it kind of plagues us and hinders our ability to have confidence in who God is and what God is up to in the earth. It, it hinders our ability to be bold about sharing the gospel and sharing truth with those people in our lives who need to hear it. So that information, that revelation helps us with confidence and boldness, never arrogance, but confidence and boldness concerning our faith. I believe that a person who continues to learn, continues to grow, and is able to stay sharp and able to lead others all the days of their lives, as we keep an attitude that wants to learn, learners are leaders. People who lead need to be learning. You're all leading someone in your life. I believe that a person who continues to learn continues to grow and is able to stay sharp and able to lead all others all the days of their lives. I was watching a contractor. We had a contractor over to my mother-in-law's house and he was fixing something. And I was so intrigued. I'm watching his every move and I'm asking questions about everything that he's doing because I, I just like to learn something about what he's up to so that if this problem persists or if it comes back, I maybe have some information or some skills that I didn't have before. And so I'm hanging around like the pesky homeowner, I'm asking all these questions and I'm learning something about what this contractor is doing. I think we need to have that same mindset, pursuing theological truth, understanding things that we haven't fully grasped that are available to us if we'll just dig deeper and look a little harder. There's a few resources to help with Bible study that I'll just encourage you to get your hands on. Um, I use the New Bible Commentary. It's a one-volume resource that is very helpful. So you can go out and buy this one-volume commentary for $40 or $50, put that on your shelf, and the next time you've got a question about a passage of Scripture, you can open up and see what the commentator, the theologian, has to say about it. I love John Corson's one-volume commentary and Matthew Henry's one-volume commentary. I, I love the Blue Letter Bible. It's a great online resource for Bible study. And so there are countless others that are available, but if you just want to get your library started and you don't want to go out and buy volumes of commentaries, full sets of commentaries, you can get commentaries in one volume that will get you started. So I would encourage you to begin to invest in your theological understanding and framework so that you have greater confidence in your ability to answer the difficult questions that people pose and that arise in our study of God's word. And as we go through this life, because this life can be challenging sometimes, right? And sometimes we wonder, why is this happening? Why is God allowing this to happen? What is going on in the bigger picture? What's going on in the scheme of things that will help me understand why these things are happening in my life? So continuing on, 
When the wise men came asking about the newborn king of the Jews, Herod was uptight. Herod was an evil man. And as you continue to read in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 and following, he was, he was a murderous, evil man. Verse 3, Matthew 2 says, when Herod the king heard this about the newborn king of the Jews, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. King Herod thought he was the rightful king of the Jews. So he was threatened. The religious leaders were troubled when they heard about the newborn king of the Jews because they weren't in the loop. They should have been paying attention. The prophets have been speaking about this event for hundreds and hundreds of years. So they should have been paying attention, but they were not. So when he did arrive, they rejected him. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day continued to reject him all the days of his life until the very end. Up to the 21st century, if you go to Israel, you'll see people cut from the same cloth, uh, modern-day Pharisees who reject Jesus. They reject him as Messiah because he didn't come in the way that they think or thought he should come. So leaders in Jesus' day rejected him. Leaders today, they reject him. I think both King Herod and the Jewish religious elite were threatened. Threatened then and threatened now. Threatened by Jesus' presence, his popularity, his powerful, his power. You know, powerful people don't like it when their position is threatened. <laughs> and so when Jesus, the most powerful person, arrived on the scene, those who were in authority were threatened by his very presence. Verse 4, Matthew 2 and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he, Herod, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So this is a quote from Micah. Chapter 5, verse 2, written roughly 700 years before the event actually took place. And so this is one of many that we've been talking about, prophetic words that God gave, warnings that God gave, a preparation that God spoke so that the people of God would be ready to receive what God had in store. Verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly. Listen, anytime someone summons you secretly, be on guard. Be Aware. Years ago when I was a young man in sales and marketing, I was 24 years old and had a territory where I was a sales rep from San Luis Obispo that stretched up to the Oregon border and most of California. And um, I got a call from a competitor in my market and they said, hey, we'd like to meet with you, thinking about hiring you, thinking about offering you a job. Well, I was so naive <laughs> that I had the conversation with them and they got all kinds of information about about the territory from me, and then they never hired me when it was all said and done. So be careful when somebody wants to meet with you, because it, it might seem like they're on the same page or in agreement with you, but maybe just maybe they've got an ulterior motive. Herod had an ulterior motive, and, and we'll see that the wise men had wisdom. They had discernment. They had the ability to know that this guy wasn't all he was cracked up to be. We'll get to that verse at the very end. Verse 7 again. 
Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Do you think that's really what he, what he wanted to do? He, what he should have said is, bring me word too so that I may go and kill him. Because he was threatened by Jesus, the powerful son of God. Again, be careful. Be careful that the people that you're in relationship with who say that they're on the same team are actually on the same team. God will give you discernment. God will give you wisdom about how to navigate those things. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that, had, that they had seen when it, uh, when it arose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, I love this verse, verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The wonder of the wise men, number one, led them to go looking for the king. The wonder of the wise men, number two, led them to rejoice exceedingly over the king. When was the last time you rejoiced exceedingly over the king? I think if we will just stop and take a personal inventory of our lives. We've got so many reasons to rejoice exceedingly over the king. First of all, do I have a pulse? I'm still, I still got a pulse. <laughs> that should cause me to rejoice exceedingly in the king. He has given me life, physical life and new life, spiritual life. He's given me something to celebrate. We can take an inventory of all of the wonderful blessings that we experience in this life. For instance, we woke up this morning and it was about 32 degrees. Most of us had a house to warm up in and we come to church and it's still a little cold outside, but we got a nice place inside. And when it's too hot outside, we've got air conditioning on the inside. So God has blessed us with tremendous blessings. Among those are so many other things, friends and family, health, you name it. God has given us so many amazing blessings. But in this life, we tend to focus on the negative when we get discouraged, when we focus on the negative, when we forget to rejoice exceedingly in the, in, in the Christ child. We have an opportunity to rejoice. The Bible says it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Not the discouragement of this world, but the joy of the Lord. And so we have to change our minds about the things that we're focused on, get our focus on the right stuff, and move forward as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has given us life. And we're meant to live that life to the full, abundantly so, with the proper perspective and the proper attitude. There's, I've got a great story to illustrate this point. It's a bit long, so hang in with me, but you'll like it. I'm confident of that. It is gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death, in 1973, he would return, walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man, and he would feed them from his buckets. You see, many years before, in October 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. But there was an unexpected detour which would hurl Captain Eddie 
into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, the flying fortress became lost beyond the reach of radio. Fuel ran dangerously low, so the men ditched their plane in the ocean. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water and the weather and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. The largest raft was nine by five. The largest shark was over 10 feet long. Wouldn't imagine you'd get a lot of sound sleep when you got those things ramming up against your air-inflated raft. But of all of their enemies at sea, one proved most formidable, starvation. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water. It would take a miracle to sustain them. And a miracle occurred. In Captain Eddie's own words, Cherry, that was the B-17 pilot, Captain William Cherry, read the service that afternoon. They had a bit of a church service in the raft. And we finished with prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. There was some talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep out some of the glare, I, I dozed off. Now, this is still Captain Rickenbacker talking. Something landed on my head. I knew that it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew. I just knew. And everyone else knew, too. No one said a word, but peering out from under my hat brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at the goal. The goal meant food, if I can catch it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the goal. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used for bait to catch fish. The survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because a lone seagull uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land offered itself as a sacrifice. You know that Captain Eddie made it, and now you also know that he never forgot because every Friday evening about sunset on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you could see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy-eyebrowed, slightly bent, his bucket filled with shrimp, was to feed the goals, to remember that one witch on a long day past gave itself without struggle like manna in the wilderness, a gift freely given. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> For those of you who are old enough to understand that Paul Harvey... <laughs> Uh, was a classic storyteller, and this came from him. This seagull that gave his life was a picture of Christ. He sacrificially gave his life so that others may live. We have plenty of reasons to rejoice over King Jesus, our Savior. He is our Savior. He gave his life to die for us. 
So I'm going to ask you to please, <laughs> please find a fresh reason to rejoice exceedingly over the presence of the king. This holiday season, please find a fresh reason to celebrate who Jesus is, who he is in your life, what he's meant to history, what he's meant for everyone who's ever been in desperate need of a savior, who are all of us. Please find a fresh reason to rejoice exceedingly over the presence of the king. It will refresh your countenance. It will give you strength. It will give you perspective. It will give you help and it will give you hope throughout the seasons of life. Back to our text as we wrap up, Matthew 2:11, And going into the house, <laughs> they, the wise men, saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The wonder of the wise men, number one, the wonder of the wise men led them to go looking for the king. Maybe you're here today because you're being led in the same way to go looking for the king. Jesus is the king. He is the one that you're looking for. He has died for you. He loves you. He has a great plan and purpose for your life. If you will simply acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, welcoming, welcoming him into your life, your life will be altogether different. The wonder of the wise men, number two, led them to rejoice exceedingly over the king. The wonder of the wise men, number three, led them to worship, offering valuable gifts to the king. This is, by the way, the only proper response to Jesus the king is that we would worship and adore him, that we would worship with all we have, with all of our hearts, worship without holding anything back. I heard a story recently about a guy who wanted to invite Jesus into his life, but he was just a little tentative, and so he invited Jesus into his, his front yard, and so he could go out and visit Jesus anytime he wanted to visit Jesus, and over time, he grew in his relationship with Jesus that he decided to welcome him into his living room, into his front room, and as Jesus would sit on the sofa and having conversation with this guy, he asked about this certain cupboard. Hey, what's in the cupboard? And the guy said, well, hey, you can sit in my living room and sit on my sofa and we can have conversations, but you cannot see what's in that cupboard. Well, over time, the guy grew in his relationship with Jesus and he invited Jesus into the kitchen. He said, hey, enjoy the fridge. Enjoy anything that you'd like to eat in my home. Everything here is yours. And so Jesus opened the fridge and he saw some stuff in the fridge and he challenged the guy. He said, why is this in your fridge? And the guy said, you're right, that shouldn't be in the fridge. And he allowed Jesus to empty out from the fridge anything that wasn't a good idea. And so the relationship that this man had with Jesus began to grow, and Jesus kept referring back to the cupboard. He said, there's something in the cupboard, and it's kind of smelly. I'd like to deal with what's in that cupboard. And in time, the man gave Jesus permission to go to that cupboard and to clean out and to get rid of all of the stinky stuff that was in there. And as he allowed the Lord to do that, his relationship with the Lord was enriched and his commitment to the Lord was strengthened and his ability to follow Jesus and to welcome Jesus into every area and arena of his life was improved. 
I wonder if there's an area in your life where you've said, hey, Jesus, this is off limits. This is not for you. You're not welcome here. What would keep us from allowing Jesus to explore every area and arena of our lives? He just simply wants to eliminate the stink. Years ago, when we were renovating a house, it was the old office there, we um, had an old fridge and something got closed up in the fridge, then the fridge got unplugged. It was the most disgusting smell in the world. We had to, I, 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 we, we had to clean and disinfect and bleach and then clean and disinfect and bleach again and then clean and disinfect and bleach again because of the stench that was coming out of there and ultimately we were able to get rid of it and the refrigerator was able to be used. This is all that God wants to do in our lives to get rid of the stink and the stench in our lives, to clean and disinfect and remove the odorous thing that is there. And as we allow him in, fully accessing our lives, the joy of the Lord that is meant to be ours in Christ is made complete. The peace of God that is meant to be ours in Christ is experienced. Wonderful and supernatural things happen when we allow Jesus full access to our lives, especially the cupboard that we've kept under lock and key for too long. The wise men were led to worship, offering valuable gifts to the king. Everything that they had was given to the king. Everything that was theirs was offered to the king. Again, this is the only proper response to Jesus. Worship. Worship with all we have. Worship with all of our hearts. Worship without holding back. Worship, adoration, appreciation, complete devotion, and dedication. This is what God has always called his people to. So I would just encourage you this morning, if you're struggling to give Jesus everything, there's nothing to be afraid of. He's not trying to limit your fun or hinder your enjoyment. He's trying to give you a life so that you might live it abundantly with freedom, with joy, and with grace. The wise men got that. Can I encourage us today to be wise and even wiser so as we avail ourselves to Jesus, offering valuable gifts, worship, valuable gifts to the King of all kings. Verse 12, the very last verse. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they, the wise men, departed to their own country by another way. If you want the wisdom of the wise men, you've got to avail your whole life. If you're holding anything back, there's going to be problems in your ability to discern and problem in your, problems in your ability to move forward in a, in a way that honors and glorifies God. We need to be moved and challenged in the way that we hold God. We need to have the wonder about who God is and about what God wants to do in our lives. We need to allow that to swell so that it overwhelms us and takes over the, uh, the, the, the to, 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 totality of our lives. The, the wonder of the wise men led them to go looking for the king. Are you looking for the king? That's not a one and done scenario. That's one and for the rest of your life, go looking for the king. The wonder of the wise men too led them to rejoice exceedingly over the king. A lot of us had exceeding joy when we first met Jesus, but somehow that has waned and somehow that has faded. I would encourage you to find a fresh reason to rejoice exceedingly over the king. And then the wonder of the greatest gift 
The wonder of the wise men, number three, they, they led them to worship offering valuable gifts to the king. I find if I'm holding anything back, I can't fully worship Jesus. If I'm holding on to stuff that I shouldn't be holding on to, I can't fully worship Jesus. So what does God want you to let go so that you can fully worship him? With that, let's go ahead and stand and invite the worship team up. Lord, we're so thankful for your word today. We're so thankful for who you are, for the ways that you've been speaking to us this whole month of December. Lord, we're humbled, grateful, filled with gratitude, Lord, for who you are and for what you are doing. Lord, as we wrap up this series and really wrap it up on Christmas Eve, I pray that there would be no stone unturned, nothing hindered, nothing keeping us back from fully pursuing you and allowing you to be fully Lord of our lives. We love you. We need you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.